there was a breathwork thing. He did some screaming, like some like guttural screaming, like, you know, again, weird shit. (laughs) But I swear to God, within four months, he had a girlfriend Uh and it's a long story, but I knew someone that lived with him and the guy that lived with him was like, they have sex all the time. They have sex on the (laughs) stairs. I can hear them all the time. Welcome to this special episode, a joint podcast episode of Dear Men and Man Alive. And I'm here today with Melanie Curtin. Melanie, welcome to Man Alive. And Shana, welcome to Dear Men. Thank you. So we today are going to talk about the top five things we've learned as men's coaches. We thought this would be an amazing episode since we've both been working with men for a really long time. And before we dive in, I just want to introduce Melanie, and she's going to introduce me for those of you who don't know us. So Melanie is a men's coach and sex and dating researcher with a master's in communication from Stanford University. And she's been published and seen on the Today Show, the Huffington Post, the New York Observer, the Elephant Journal, and she's been coaching for more than six years and specializes in bringing a woman's perspective to men so that men can connect with women in fun, inviting, and meaningful ways that lead to fulfilling sex and relationships. Yeah, baby. (laughs) (laughs) And Shayna, for 15 years, she has coached nearly a thousand men, leaders, CEOs, authors, speakers, and men with big visions. These men step into more powerful leadership, start and grow businesses, create more effective teams, increase their impact, get promoted, find love, rekindle spark, create a legacy, and become more personally inspired and fulfilled by working with her. Now, Shana and I have known each other for a number of years and actually used to be involved in a program together called the Authentic Man Program. Mm -hmm. And I'm really excited to do this episode because I think it's really fun to compare notes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Because we're working with men. You, You tend to work with men around more than just sex and dating and relationships. You tend to work with them around purpose and um, effectiveness and all the things that we just said in the, in the bio. Yeah. And what I find really interesting is that I work with men specifically around sex, dating and relationships, mm-hmm. but we end up working with purpose. Well, exactly. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Always connected. Yes. So it doesn't matter which way you come at it. That's why I want to do an episode. Cause I think it's so interesting to see what are the patterns that keep showing up? Yes. What are the things that, that those of us that work with men see over and over? Cause I think it can really serve a lot well, of yeah. And whether or not this is one of the ones we intended to talk about, I mean, that's the reality is that they're not separate. So if men come to me for love and relationship, you know, we clearly see the ties with how they're showing up at the office and how they're leading their teams or how they're asking for what they want or giving presentations. I mean, all those things, you know, and if someone comes to me and says, I don't feel as confident in the office. And then we start talking about, okay, well, how are you doing in the bedroom and what's happening in your sex life and your relationship life? You know, inevitably they are totally connected. Absolutely. And I think that's one of the, the sort of fallacies of our culture is that mm-hmm. we really like to separate things and put them into little boxes. Yeah. Here's my home life over here and here's my office life or here's my dating life and here's my career. And that's not actually the way a human being is built. Right. And especially for the masculine, because a lot of uh, self-esteem and self-confidence comes from purpose mm-hmm. and direction yep. for the masculine. When that's missing that impacts how that man relates with the feminine. When oh, right. he's up to something and really on purpose uh-huh. and feeling that in his life, he's much more confident with women and vice versa. If he's not up to something and he's kind of wandering around in mm-hmm. his professional life, it definitely impacts the way that he shows up with women, even yeah. if he's not like totally aware of it at first. Right. And I've seen that in dating, you know, in my own dating life. And I've seen that with men I've coached where, um, you know, there's something in a man that often just kind of feels like, 
oh, I, you know, and this is, this is what part of what we work on too, is like, oh, I'm not good enough if I don't have a purpose or I'm not good enough if I'm not killing it, you know, at work or career or financially. And ultimately, you know, that's not true. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's so much validation in life through, especially for men, you know, how much money are you making? What career are you, are you, you know, involved yeah. in? So it's a, it's one of the reasons that I actually have a lot of compassion for men. And I feel um, so strongly about being an ally who can say, listen, you may be struggling with this, or you may be, you know, successful in this and struggling in that, you know, you're still lovable. Yeah. And you still have something to offer yeah. in, in both realms. You still have something to offer in the work realm, even if you're not in your ideal position. Yes. And you also still have something to offer the feminine. Yep. There's a lot of guys that, yeah, they don't think that they're worthy because mm-hmm. they're not, quote, there yet. And yeah. that's just not true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not true. Totally. And that reminds me, and again, I mean, maybe we're just going to keep throwing things out there because I don't think we wrote this one down either, but <laughs> it reminds me that one of the things I've learned is the difference between doing and being, right? And, or that a man could say this, the very same thing or do the very same action and where it's coming from inside of him will create a completely different result. So if he said, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm out of work right now, And I'm exploring or pursuing my passions or what I, you know, what I, what would give my life meaning, right? He could say that in a way that is clear in himself and self-loving and, and, um, you know, oriented in himself in a way where he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm good, right? Like Mm -hmm. I'm a good human being, or he could say it in a way where he's apologizing and, um, you know, self-doubting and criticizing himself. Like there's something wrong with me for all of this. Right. And, and they'll come out in a completely different way. That's a really, that's a really good point. And it's exactly the same thing <laughs> that, that happens with my clients when we talk about approaching women. Uh-huh. It doesn't matter really what the words are. Yes. What matters is how you're being when you say them. Yes. So even if you if you don't know the person and you're just at Starbucks and you're asking them what kind of drink they got, there's a way to do that in a way that says, I want you. Mm. And there's a way to do that in a way that says, I'm afraid I'm being creepy right now. Yes. <laughs> and how would you have a guy say it in the way? I was actually just thinking, side note, I was like, maybe we should just have our listeners write in and be like, which what things are you getting from this? And then we'll compile a list because maybe we're going to throw out 20 different things that we've learned as men coaches. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I am curious, right? Like, what would you say to a man to, to have him say it in a way that instead of seeming creepy or awkward would be, you know, more confident and grounded and clear? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I think that, um, I do think we should go through the list we made because I think it's really good. And I think <laughs> the perfect segue to number one. Great. Because what I find in my work is that the... The work that I do with men who are having problems or struggles or issues or any anything around wanting to be more successful with women is yep. that the root of the problem is always the same. The root of the problem is always the same and it's always sexual shame. Hmm. It's always sexual shame. I've never worked with a man where that wasn't Really? That wasn't a primary issue. And yeah, in this regard, like what you just asked, like how do you approach a woman or how do Uh you say something and where you feel grounded and she knows she's wanted, but also feels safe. Yep. You can't get there without dealing with the the sexual shame. Yeah. Like there's no way to get around it. (laughs) Right. And it's so interesting because the sexual shame would be, you know, maybe five steps in the future of, okay, well, once we're in the bedroom, I don't know if I'm experienced enough. I don't Mm -hmm. know if I can last long enough. I don't know if all these things. And yet, right, it goes kind of, if we travel backwards into the moment of saying hi, and it could be Mm -hmm. a woman to a man, I always like to keep it, you know, not necessarily just heterosexual, but I think you and I both tend to work with men who, right, because we're women. Mm -hmm. Um, Right. It's like, it creeps back in even to that first moment when nothing sexual is happening. Yes. And that's part of the, um, what I see a lot in my work is that the, the, it's, it's like a lot of good guys who don't want to make a woman feel uncomfortable. Uh uh And so they stuff that 
desire that wanting to that wanting to have sex so the sexual desire is what yes. gets stuff down totally and sexual shame gets put on top of it like i shouldn't be looking at her ass or i shouldn't be wanting to have sex it's the middle of the day mm-hmm. or she's too young or whatever all of the n- number of things that men say to kind of shame themselves yes and what i have found is that the the simple act of eradicating that shame. Mm-hmm. It's not simple. It, I mean, it's <laughs> it's not exactly it, simple. it takes a long time, yeah. but that changes everything Yeah, because then the guy doesn't have to overthink things. Yeah, It just naturally comes out like I'm attracted to her. I'm going to go over there and say hi, because there isn't that voice saying she'll feel uncomfortable. She right. won't like it. She, right. So like a lot of what I'm doing with the guys is core deep work around the shame. And then yeah. the rest of it sort of sorts itself out. You know what I mean? I do. I do. It's interesting because I think, you know, similarly, I mean, sometimes I think the men I work with, there's other shame, you know, I'm not good enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm whatever. But most men I work with, you know, there is some degree of sexual shame and there is this way that, um, because of that, like you said, there's this stuffing of their own, um, pleasure and turn on and this feeling of, oh my God, right? I don't want to make a woman uncomfortable. So I am going to do something to not feel the sexual energy and charge that I feel in my body. And that's exactly. one thing that I say to men where I'm like, it's yours. It is your life force. It's your life energy. It's your vitality. There's nothing dirty, bad, or wrong about it. It's what you do with it that makes a difference, right? So you innately feeling excited or feeling desire, there's nothing bad or wrong about that. It's actually a really beautiful thing. And it's also the thing that is the signal to the woman that you want her. Right. And it's what's going to have her move towards you as a sexual being. Yes. Right. So that, that, what you just described, the inability to bring that, the tamping down of that is what gets you friend zoned in yep. the end. Yep. So it's, it's like blocking you from what you want. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I'm curious in your work, cause you work with men around purpose and legacy and, um, business, not just the sex and relationship stuff. Mm-hmm. Where does that sexual shame come in? If anywhere in that arena. Right. Well, okay. So one thing I was going to add too that I find is that so many of the men I work with come in and, and they don't want to be creepy because they're really kind, amazing men, which I just so appreciate. Right. And one of the things I often find myself saying is, actually, you couldn't be creepy if you tried. You could be awkward, but you're a man who is already connected to your heart and your care for women. And so you would come off as kind of this awkward, maybe geeky, nerdy, uncomfortable guy. But creepy is for men who are cut off from their hearts, Mm. right? And who are just totally objectifying women. Yes. And and creepy is also, to me, feels like, if I say no, you won't listen to me. Right. And that, that I feel like you're, I'm on your page too, where most of the men that I work with are kind. Yeah. So they have a connection to their heart. So if the woman did say no, they're not going to force the issue. Right. Because to me, creepy is like, there's a way you're staring at me that makes me feel like if I said no, you wouldn't care. And that's creepy. That's creepy. (laughs) That's creepy. Right. And that's that they're cut off from their heart and they're cut off from the sense of, I am a, you know, I or another woman, right? We're another human being and our choice matters too. Yeah. And that's why, um, that when you own that attraction and part of what I work with my guys on is once you start owning that attraction, it's, it's within you. It's not always getting all projected out onto her. It's Mm -hmm. within you. You're breathing into your balls. You're breathing the energy down into you. It's getting metabolized. And then that feels good because it feels like, Oh, he wants me and I'm safe. Like he wants yes. me and I'm safe. He's got it. He's got his attraction. It's not kind of all being like thrown at me across the yep. room and there's yep. no control. It's like, Ooh, that's interesting. He wants me and he's, and he's got it. Yeah. And safety is so huge for women. I mean, we walk around in the world a lot, not feeling safe. And so to feel wanted and also safe at the same time, I mean, that's one of the things, right. That then we can start to relax into it and I mean, you, I think you went actually um, alluded to number two, one of the other things we've learned where you said, you know, men who get friend zoned are cut off from their balls or cut off from their sexuality and, um, you know, afraid to show their sexual desire. But what you were saying also, right, that's part of what 
turns a woman on. And you asked also, you know, how does that come to play in, in work or in, in other situations? Yeah. I was thinking about that. I mean, you know, the, the image that's coming to mind is a man who, because he doesn't feel confident in himself. And this is what amazes me is that it can often be really powerful, really successful men, right? You know, who mm-hmm. build businesses or who are leading teams. And, but then there's certain ways that they're either taking on all the work and not delegating it or um, not reaching the level they want to be at. Like other people would look at them and think, wow, he's got the you know, the position that I want. And yet he's sitting there thinking, yeah, but this isn't where I want to be. I wanted to be where that guy was. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And so there tends to be this way of either, um, not trusting himself fully or deferring in a certain way, or, you know, I'm working with one guy who's amazing and he's brilliant and he's got some pretty incredible social skills. He's done, you know, some really deep work and he's afraid in certain ways to bring his clarity or to kind of just lay it down. Shayna, did I lose you? Sorry. Okay. We'll have to cut that part out. <laughs> That's okay. I was riveted though. You have to finish that story. Okay. Um, yeah. So, so this man is, you know, he's, he's got all of this, incredible social skill and technical knowledge. And he's afraid to just put it out there and just say, this is what I'm seeing. This is where I think we should go. This is, you know, these are the pitfalls I see we could fall into. I'm like, you have all of that information at your fingertips. And it's kind of like this way of holding it back and thinking there's something wrong with his own power, right? Mm. Or that, um, that he couldn't just put it out there and then let other people argue or have that conversation, right? That there's, there's something not okay about just, which, which we're talking about, right? With that sexual desire, like there's something not okay mm-hmm. about being that strong, that big, that powerful. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm, I'm curious to hear it. Like, how do you work with that man on becoming more expressed and laying it out there? Mm, that's an awesome question. So, What do I do? I mean, you know, in some ways I help him kind of like you're saying, like you, you help men own their sexuality, their power. It's like, I help him get clear on what he sees, what's important to him. Um, and, and sometimes we practice speaking it like, okay, tell me what you're seeing or tell me, you know, tell me what you didn't say in that meeting that actually could have had it you know, end in an incredible success instead of devolving into chaos like it did. (laughs) What were you thinking that you didn't say? I think the debrief is often, I mean, just phenomenal for men to really see like, oh, I could have said that, or I could have done this, or, you know, and I do that a lot with dating with men too. And I imagine you do too. Yeah. I, I definitely use role play a lot. And I like what you said about like, I want to actually hear the words. Tell me the words. Mm -hmm. I was just on a call with some guys the other night and there was a guy talking about boundary setting and setting a boundary with his, with his, with a new woman that he's seeing. And he's wanting to set a boundary around um, sexual exclusivity. Mm -hmm. And he, this man doesn't have a lot of experience ever setting boundaries. Mm -hmm. It, you know, it's like clunky at first. Like I think um, he was saying something like, um, you can't see other men or you can't see other people. <laughs> and he knew that was like, not the right way to right. phrase it. Like, but that yeah. was all he could come up with. You know what I'm saying? And so yes. he on like, how about, you know, Hey, I'm noticing our connection is deepening and I just want to talk about it. Cause I would really love for us to be exclusive at this right. point. How do you feel about that? Yes. And he was like, Whoa. And then we had him practice actually saying the words mm-hmm. and then which brings us to our next point about what we've learned. Yep. Then we had him say it while he's breathing into his balls. Like mm-hmm. get grounded first, breathe into your balls and now say it. Yeah. And it, it, it was totally different. It relaxes a man's system and it helps him connect to his power when he actually uses his All, body. Right. His whole body. His whole body. Yep. Yeah. 
that that's that was a, another one of our points, which I think we should bring in here. Yeah, is if there's anything I've learned, it's that it's all about the body. It's always about the body. We tend to think of this stuff or improving in any area of our life. I feel like in the U.S., we think of the mind. It's always about thoughts and the yeah. mind, and what can I, you know almost like force onto my body. Yeah. <laughs> and in my experience, that's not actually where a lot of transformation happens. Mm-hmm. It actually happens in the body. And, and so it's, it's almost like mm. a hack <laughs> to just go there rather yeah. than talk about it for. Oh. I was just having this memory and, you know, and I agree too. I mean, I also think that there are some subtleties or some kind of underlying things that have our body arrange itself in a certain way. Right. So how we, think about ourselves or whether we're okay feeling powerful or taking up space, we organize our body in a certain way to show that without even necessarily knowing it. But I was just remembering this, this um, man I was doing a session with and I noticed, I was like, you know what, as you're talking, I said, can I be really honest with you? And he said, yeah. I was like, as you're talking, I'm noticing that the way your voice feels kind of pinched in my ears and my, my whole body is kind of cringing a little bit. And this was a man who I respected so much. I literally told him one day, I was like, you know, I'm putting on my list of what I want in a man, it, you know, that he is as inspiring to me as you are. Aww. So yeah, it was like, you know, he was such an incredible man. I was like, but there's some, and, and he was getting friend zoned over and over and over. I mean, doing incredible things in the world. And then just women were saying, yeah, you know, you just feel like a friend. Yeah. And so I was like, you know what? I have, I said, I have this weird image in my head um, that you're like a bear, like a growling, I don't know, I had this image of like a bear with his paws in the mud. And somehow we just had him start like, I was like, can you just breathe all the way down, all the way down into your groin, all the way down to your legs and just let out a growl. And he just started you know, he was like, okay, this is, weird. I, like, I don't trust me. Let's just try it. So he started growling and doing some of this deeper breathing and letting out louder sounds and unpinching his throat. And then he started talking and I literally felt tingles all over my whole body. I was like, I, I don't even know what you just said. I, I don't, I don't remember the words, but my whole body is tingling and turned on. Yes. I love that story. I love that story for two reasons. One, if there's anything I've seen, it's that transformation is weird. Like shit yes. gets weird. <laughs> but it's but the second thing is that it's so worth it. The yeah. weirdness is so worth it because he's a, he's going to be, if he can access that state that you got him into, like mm-hmm. he is going to be able to have sex with women. Women are right. going to want to be with him. And you don't always have to growl or become a bear, but, right. Right, but <laughs> if you can do that in front of one of us, then the other things you're going to go say are way less embarrassing. <laughs> Yeah. Well, also you have a felt experience of what, what that state feels like. Yes, exactly. It's like, oh, that's what it feels like to be connected to my, my balls mm-hmm. and my heart at the same time. Mm-hmm. Cause if there's a reference point, it's harder to get back there. Yes. Um, right. It's easier to get back there without that reference point. It's, it's like, where, what, how do I, I don't even, I don't get it. Yeah. I don't, which really is our mind what that feels like. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I think especially for guys who've been friend zoned over and over or for years and years, they don't have a reference point for how it could be another way. Totally. So it, it's, it's pretty important to, to get weird <laughs> and yeah. do weird shit in coaching so that you can then be like awesome in the world. Yes. Um, yeah. Do you yeah. have any other weird examples now that we're on, on the topic of weird? Well, I would say one of my favorite, um, one of my favorite moments in a workshop was, uh, actually at one of the amps and, there was a man that we had known in our, in our community and he was one of the participants. Mm-hmm. And I remember the male coach coming up to me cause we would, we would work together. He was like, don't be afraid to get in his face, like get in his face. So <laughs> this poor guy, um, it was the walk-ups. It was like a, an exercise where the man walks up to women and is just silent and stands in front of them. I love, that's my favorite exercise. I know it is. It's my favorite too. Cause so much is said when you're not. Using oh my God, you say nothing. And like in two or three seconds, we have this whole experience of complete, complete read. Yeah. So he walks up and I don't know, we'll call him uh, Ted for this, for the sake of this. Mm -hmm. So Ted walks up and I don't really feel anything. Mm -hmm. And as you said, like 
his shoulders were slumped forward. So we tend to hold ourselves in postures that reflect how we are feeling and our beliefs mm-hmm. about ourselves. So his shoulders are kind of slumped forward and he, he had like one of those mild expressions on like his expression is like what elevator would music would be if it was <laughs> like, it was just kind of like placid and kind of like a little bit dumb and just kind of just there, you yeah. know? Like yeah. not bringing a lot, just sort of like there, like just very there, innocuous. Right? Not yes, really yes. there, but there. Exactly. Innocuous. And so um, I don't, I'm not really feeling anything. And then all of a sudden I just start to feel really annoyed. Mm-hmm. And so, so I get up and I actually like shove him. And this guy was big. He was like six two, um, bigger guy. Like this yeah. was a substantial human being. Yeah. And I'm, I'm little, I'm five three, but I'm like fiery. So I get up. And I shove him back and I'm like, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? And I like pushed and shoved. I like pushed him back a little. Uh-huh. And he was totally surprised and didn't really know what to do. And um he ended up like uh like he didn't really he didn't fight back. He didn't do anything. Yeah. Um, but what was great was that the the male coach came in and said, okay, you're getting some feedback from the feminine. <laughs> like or whatever he said. And um, and he kind of challenged him a little bit. Yep. And I think what I was reacting to was like, I can't feel your power. I can't feel your rage. Especially rage was the like thing that kept coming to me was like, where is your rage? Like I can't mm. feel your rage. I can't feel your rage. And um the male coach said something to him or pushed him in some way, like, uh challenged him in some small way. It wasn't a big way. And he got pissed at the coach. Uh-huh. And that was the turning point. Like, I was like, now I can feel you. Now I can feel you. Now I can imagine like having sex with you. Like, and I'm not saying uh-huh. that men need to be enraged all the time. That's not no, where I'm going. No. Yeah. But there was a way that I poked him and then the male coach poked him and he reacted. Yeah. And it was like that, that's your power center. Right. Now you can calibrate around it, but there it is. Well, right. And it sounds like from what you were saying, like he seemed kind of dead. He was just like, yeah. oh, like a wet blanket. <laughs> and, you know, I really find that that there's like, there's one dial that is, you know, anger, but it's also it's creativity, it's drive, it's motivation, it's passion, right? So if you turn the dial down on your anger, then you turn the dial down on all of that, your life energy. Now, I mean, you and I both know, right, that it's not um, it's not safe to go about just raging or expressing anger. And I think that's why having a place to do your work, whether it's with men or women, is so important. I mean, I, I don't know if you've done this in AMP, and I, but I've done it in AMP and with my clients where I sit in and kind of receive or just let it go through me like, okay, what did you want to say to your mom that you never said? Yeah. Or, or your, your ex-girlfriend. ex-girlfriend. Right? Exactly. Right? Like, yeah. And you can yell and you can scream and you can say all of that stuff that you probably had nowhere to put it because, you know, you're not supposed to really, you're not supposed to be sad as a man. You're not supposed to be angry as a man. You're supposed to totally have it together yeah. and be this rock solid dude. And then what do you do with all the rest of it? Yeah. That's such a good point. And I think that's why I'm so passionate about personal growth work because like you said, the, the spaces that get created in workshops and with coaches and all of the rest of that world are unique and they yeah. allow for that kind of expression. So yes. that guy, Ted had a big breakthrough later that he was either later that day or the next day. Um, there was a breathwork thing. He did some screaming, like some like guttural screaming, like, you know, again, weird shit. <laughs> <laughs> but I swear to God, within four months, he had a girlfriend uh-huh. and it's a long uh-huh. story, but I knew someone that lived with him and <laughs> the guy that lived with him was like, they have sex all the time. They have sex <laughs> on the stairs. Like, I can hear them all the time. And I was like, dude, go Ted. Like, wait, well, it, wait, it makes doing that weird stuff before. worth it. Yeah, exactly. It was like, he had been friend zoned for like, I mean, he was like in his late twenties, early thirties. And I don't think he'd ever really had success with women. Oh. And Right. But then he was having all this success. So all that weird shit is totally mm-hmm. worth it. It mm-hmm. does work. It does like make the difference, especially when it in- involves body work, especially when it involves the body. Like to me, that's like the hack. It's the fastest way to do it. Right. I mean, one of the ways I talk about it too is, and I think we talked about this in AMP as well. It's like, we're like tuning forks to each other. I mean, and actually the more spiritual practice I do in my life, the more weird it gets, the more I see like, <laughs> I can feel you know, we can all feel each other. Most of us are tuned out of that and into our minds and just 
busy, busy, busy thinking about the past, thinking about the future. But, you know, you and I have done a lot of training to be able to sit with someone in the moment and actually be able to feel. And sometimes we're feeling our reaction to them and sometimes we're feeling what they're feeling. But, you know, I've seen this happen time and again and experienced it myself that if I'm sitting across from a man and, you know, I can take responsibility for my own state. I can turn myself on. I can, you know, bring my own joy. But then something happens where someone will sit in front of me and I will feel, you know, one of many different ways. And sometimes it's like, oh my God, you know, suddenly I feel all this energy in my body or, oh my God, now I feel kind of like a limp noodle. And, mm-hmm. you know, and then it's, it's, it's in part at least based on this other person's energy who's in my space. Oh, absolutely. And, and I think as science is advancing, like mirror neurons, they've known about for, I think about a decade, but mm-hmm. physiologically we, we are impacted by the people around us. We yep. are open loop systems. Yep. Babies are like that. They get regulated by their mother as yeah. to begin with, but we never grow out of that. That never stops. So there's no. an, it's called, it's like an open regulation where my nervous system impacts your nervous system, which impacts my nervous system. Right. And we keep going back and forth. Yes. And which we're is why... the ball back and forth. So yeah. when a man is, you know, breathing shallowly and in his head, I'm going to start to do that too. And right. it's not going to be as comfortable for me as when he's breathing all the way down into his balls, he's grounded and he's present. Yeah. That's going to impact my nervous system by turning me on. A mm-hmm. present grounded man mm-hmm. will turn me on. Like, <laughs> period. Yeah. I can, I can feel it even just thinking about it. Right. And I think that's why you and I working with men, there's something so amazing of men getting to practice that. And then we get to say, it's almost like, it's just, I never really thought about this before, but it's almost like biofeedback. I've done biofeedback with different parts of my body where I had pain and I was clenching and, uh-huh. and I got to look at the actual computer and numbers to see what I was doing that was making that tension happen. Uh huh. And men sitting with us, it's like, we're this biofeedback machine of, oh, when you breathe that way, suddenly I could feel myself open. And when you did that thing over there, suddenly my whole self just wilted or didn't feel safe anymore. You know? I feel like that's really true. Like we're like human biofeedback machines, Yeah, <laughs> which is, which is, um, I feel like that's actually very accurate. That mm-hmm. that is exactly what <laughs> what we do. What we do. Yeah, and um, and again, into the body. Like I know for me, I wouldn't be able to do that if I wasn't in my body. Right. If I was just in my head while that man was in front of me, I wouldn't be able to give a reading at all. No. No, and I think it's too why a lot of women, you know, a lot of women who aren't trained to do this, they can't necessarily say what's going on. They can just be like, mm, I just wasn't feeling it or I wasn't feeling him. Yeah. You know, versus, oh, that guy I'm really feeling. And if you say why, sometimes they can't say. I mean, other times they can, right? But I think that's absolutely true. I think that's part of the value of any coach, whether it's us or any coach, is the refinement that that coach has and can yeah. be precise about and can describe and explain things that for other people, it's just like you said, it's like, I don't know. I just wasn't feeling it, uh-huh, which is uh-huh. like not helpful for what do I do about it? You know what I mean? Like right, if a guy exactly. keeps getting friend zone, but he doesn't know why that's not helpful. Yeah. There's like steps to take and yeah. Yeah. Um, so I want to make sure that we cover all these. I was just thinking list. that. <laughs> so the next one that we have on our list, um, which I think is really, uh, cool because I think it's kind of unexpected. And when I went into this work, I wasn't expecting it, which is, um, a man who wants to be great with women gets there faster when he does men's work. Mm-hmm. And I, I of course, have my eye on attention on being great with women, but I'm curious because I would imagine it's similar for work success and financial success that a man who wants to be great in his career gets there faster when he does men's work. Is that yeah. true? It's so true. I mean, there's a lot of research these days about... Um, you know, team success. Google's doing research on team success and, you know, how these days it's not about an individual, it's about a team. And when you're on a, a team, it's all about relationships and it's about communication. And, you know, communication comes back to, okay, are you, how are you listening? And, how are you speaking? And are you actually, you know, collaborative in your language or are you domineering yeah. or all of those things. So yeah, I mean, I think we've talked about this a lot in some ways, the men's work piece, but 
right? I would say whether it's career, whether it's relationship, or whether it's just a personal sense of fulfillment, you know, doing, and maybe we should define what men's work is, right? I was just going to say that, yeah. Men's work, women's work, whatever it is, it's just like, you know, the willingness to do therapy, to do coaching, to to explore, you know, who are you? What matters to you? How do you impact people? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, are can you actually feel your own emotions in your body, right? There's just... these things that we're not actually born into a culture that says, here, explore this. Yeah. Oh, completely. We're, we're, we're not born into a culture that's healthy in pretty much any way. And then (laughs) on top of that, we live in these really isolated families. Yes. So we don't have a lot of interaction with groups of healthy groups of same sex people. So like, um, when I talk about men's work, a lot of what I mean is, actual men's groups mm-hmm. or retreats or workshops or groups and, um, men with men. Yeah. With men, with men. Yep. And the, a lot of, I've had several clients who were like, well, why would I do that? I'm trying to get better with women. That doesn't make any sense to me. But what I've seen over and over is that when men are in groups with other men and they get comfortable with being friends with other men, having yep. deep connected relationships, not sexual relationships necessarily. I'm talking mostly about hetero men, but when they start to do that, there's a groundedness that happens. There's Mm. a way that they start to feel more like a man and Mm. they have role models and they have, they just have a solid base of that. And from there relating with women is totally different because if, if that man doesn't have solid male friendships, solid men's group places to go where he can really get real with other men. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't have that. He gets really dependent on the approval of women. Yes. He gets really attached to that woman he's pursuing. Or if he's not with a woman, just it's like a fantasy world in his head of this woman right. he thinks that he would be good with. And there's not a lot of checks and balances. Whereas a man that's d- done men's work and is doing men's work, um, there's, there's a place for him to go to actually be challenged by other men and be vulnerable with other men that has him feel genuinely supported and often in a whole new way. I've found with a lot of my male clients, they were raised by single moms or um, kind of domineering moms. Mm -hmm. So the feminine was sort of like in charge in their lives for a long time and they didn't really have a lot of healthy male relationships. And that has completely changed their their experience of the world. And I've gone back and asked clients, like, what's the most transformative part of our work together? And over and over, a lot of them said community, community, Mm -hmm. like, you know, having a tribe, having a group, having people I can rely on. They didn't say it all in this way, but a, a big part of that was having other male friendships, having other male support. Right. And to get that reflection and that challenge and that love so that, you know, a woman isn't the be all end all, you know, what she says isn't, or whether she likes you or not, right. It's less personal and less weighty. If you've got people around you who believe in you and love you and care about you and are willing to tell you the truth. Exactly. And there's something about men's work being around other guys who are doing the work mm-hmm. that is transformative in and of itself. Because yeah. I think especially in American culture, it's it's like it's really hard to find other men to share deep stuff with. Yeah. I know I hear that from so many men and I feel yeah. so sad. It's like, it's like conversation just stays shallow. It's hard yeah. to bring up serious topics. It's not it's not acceptable in the same way that it is for women. And I think mm-hmm. that's one of the things that women don't really understand about men mm-hmm. is that it's pretty fucking lonely being a guy. Yeah. Being a man in America, especially, is really isolated. Especially if you're a deep man, right? Especially or a man who recognizes you. If you're you not, it's more. just, it's so hard to mm-hmm. have those genuine conversations and talk about your emotional experience. And everybody needs to do that. That's a human being thing. That's not a feminine thing. Yeah. And it, but it's so like cut off. And I was just, uh, looking at research the other day that said it's right around 12, 12 years old. Mm. Before 12 years old, boys can can make those connections and do make those connections yeah. and feel that closeness. And then right around 12 and 13, it's like life just changes. Yeah. Well, and right. It's, Cause I was just thinking, I'm sitting here thinking, you know, I have a six-year-old boy and he is a very emotional kid and he's very sensitive. I mean, you know, makes sense. Both of his parents, myself and his dad are very <laughs> and very emotional people. But, um, you know, I've seen other parents say to their kids, you know, don't cry or just all these things that we, 
you know, don't make it okay as young boys for them to have their feelings. And, and then I'm thinking, you know, if we actually go to, to the, the fifth thing that we've learned, which is rejection doesn't kill you. It makes you even stronger. I mean, I've watched my son, this was hilarious. We were walking to one of his first days of kindergarten this year and he walked up to this little girl and he kind of like sidled over to her and almost put his shoulder on her shoulder. And he was like, Hey, haven't I seen you around the playground? (laughs) I could not, I was just like trying to not burst out laughing, but there was zero shame, zero sense of, I shouldn't say something like this, or, you know, that there was anything wrong with it. And I've seen him go to kids and be like, Hey, can I play with you? And right. You know, I think by 12 or 13, we socialize boys to, um, to not feel, to not feel okay with having their emotions and, and wanting and needing that deeper connection. Yeah. And we, and I think we shame it out of them and we socialize them to equate, um, being gay with being bad or wrong mm-hmm. and that any emotional connection with between men means you're gay. Mm-hmm. So it's like this A equals B equals C, like, oh, that's bad and wrong. I'll right. get Or it's just weak. Like exercise. somehow, yeah, yes. somehow having emotions is weak. Yes. That's, I think the biggest thing that needs to change is like men need to be able to rely on each other and really talk to each other and have that deeper connection. Yeah. And it needs to be normal. It can't be an aberration. It has to be normal. Yep. Yep. So, yeah. So let's actually just touch on that last point again of rejection doesn't kill you. It makes you even stronger. Mm -hmm. Can you say more about um, how you help men get there? Yeah. I mean, a lot of men I work with, we do some of this either in role playing or I don't, I mean, I imagine, I don't know how you do this, but you know, for me, it's like, I'm, I act like myself, right? I don't, we don't necessarily do like, Hey, come up to me and I'm going to pretend to be someone else. Right. Right. So we have a conversation that actually makes sense. Um, but some of it, right. We'll practice. And even just, just starting that conversation with me as a coach can be nerve wracking for them. And I'm like, Oh, this is so great. This is perfect because Mm -hmm. whatever nervousness you're feeling right now is similar, even if it's different to the nervousness you're going to feel on a date. So the more you can practice and you know, get comfortable with the discomfort or just practice feeling that much energy in your body and breathing into it and opening instead of just shutting down and checking out, right? The, the more practice you have, the more it just becomes this natural thing. So, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes we practice it and then other times it's going back a little farther. Like you said, in the beginning, we talk about sex or we talk about their desires or we talk about what's really meaningful to them in these ways that they felt like, oh, I I shouldn't talk about this or I shouldn't even want this. Um, Yeah. And so then, right, then they don't even bring their natural self forward. It's like some scripted thing and then they get rejected. But then, right, there's this whole confusing thing happening in there. Oh, totally. And I think that's one of the the reframes that I do with guys is like working on – being direct because mm-hmm. it, a lot of times if if you're not direct it's actually better to be direct and then get rejected right away than it is to like be friend zoned for for months you know, three years, years. yeah exactly yeah. it's just like that's just so damaging and it mm-hmm. and it wastes your time and your energy is all locked up in this woman who isn't interested in you back yeah. like that's a waste of time and energy um and and i found that there's a correlation between the, the sort of nice guy behavior and indirectness. Yes. There's such a correlation between those. And so a lot of it is practicing being direct. Uh-huh. So you that practice is, just that. Yeah. That being exactly. direct. Exactly. Like, hey, I want to take you on a date. Mm-hmm. Just practice saying that to me. What yeah. comes up for you? Like, you know, because all it kicks up all of that other it stuff. It does. I love so, that. It's like yeah, one so sentence. It's like, a, it's like an easy route to like, let's kick up all this stuff and then, yeah. you know, kind of deconstruct it while, while they're doing the breath, right? Yeah. Like getting into the, the body is how to get out of the head. And that, and the head is where all the bad stuff happens. <laughs> right. All the fears and thoughts. And and then the other thing that I thought of uh, with this one or the rejection one is I've learned, um, uh, often I'll give my clients the homework to like flirt with everyone, mm-hmm. <laughs> like just flirt with everyone, flirt with the barista at Starbucks, flirt with the person at CBS 
no attachment. Mm-hmm. You don't have to ask them out. There doesn't have to be a next step, but just practice the flirting. Right. And that flirting is just like, oh, a kind of celebration of the moment, right? Uh, yeah. yeah. And and it's like owning your desire and, and saying something. Mm-hmm. That's all flirting is. It's owning yep. your desire and saying something. It doesn't matter what the something is. It doesn't have to be like witty banter. Yeah. Um, but what I've, what I've noticed, like after, after that sort of phase, then I say, this is how you test for interest. This mm. is for interest, which comes from Dr. Glover's work of No More Mr. Nice Guy. I love there's his work. Stage, there's like a progression to going out with someone and getting into a relationship with someone. And this flirting is important because you're testing for interest. If you've got six women in front of you and you test for interest and two of them are interested, well, that's the direction to go. You know what I mean? Like there's a feedback loop that's yeah. happening, but if you never take the initial step, you don't know. The, right. You're never going to get to the next step. Yeah. And it's a way to test. It's like testing for interest at each step along the way mm-hmm. instead of an all or nothing rejection thing. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. Well, and it does. And it makes you stronger. It makes you realize, um, ja, I think his name is Ja Zhang, who wrote Rejection Proof, which was an amazing book. I listened to it. And, um, you know, he went out and just did all of these crazy things. Like, can I play soccer in your backyard? Or can I <laughs> you know, have donuts in the shape of the um, the Olympic flag or something? I mean, he just did all kinds of crazy stuff. And he found that, um, you know, a lot of the time people actually said yes. Yeah. And when they said no, you know, he actually started to get curious. Like, well, how come you said no? And um, you know, one of the things I talk about with men is I, I call it ABC communication, where it's like, a woman says something or, or a man says something and then a woman responds. And if it's negative, he'll just think that's it. It's over, right? He says A, she says B, it's over. And then I'm like, well, there's a whole nother realm in there, you know, which is C, which is saying, oh, it seems like that, um, you know, that wasn't a great offer to you or, you know, it seems like you got uncomfortable or I'm noticing, you know, you're not smiling and I just asked you on a date. So, what happened, right? Like all those things <laughs> yeah. that you can actually explore instead of just taking it as, okay, now's the time where I hang my head and I walk away. I think that's a great point, especially because the feedback you're going to get from, from asking is incredibly valuable Yes, as a course correction. If you never ask for it, you're never going to know. Yeah. Right. So there's a, there's a way of inviting a response and inviting the feminine to share with you. If you're actually interested that will help. It will help. It will help. Especially if you get the same feedback a couple of times. Right. If you never ask, if you just sort of slink away, then you're missing out on this like really valuable thing that she could tell you. Yeah. Yeah. We could keep going forever. Maybe we should do a part two and part 12 of this. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I do. I, yeah, I agree. I think we should wrap up and I'm wondering like, um, as we do it, in your personal evolution as a coach, mm-hmm. who have you found that you enjoy working with most? Hmm. That's a great question. Who I enjoy working with most. Um, I mean, I really enjoy working with men who do identify as nice guys um, and who are finding often that their work in the world is going really well, right? Like there's, there, there are places they'd still like to get to, but their work in the world is going really well. And for some reason, it's not happening with women. Either they're in a sexless marriage or women are saying no. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's interesting when I try to frame it as who I like to work with. Cause I also love working with men who, you know, are really inspired and want to have a really positive impact on the world. And, um, and they want to keep growing and they recognize that overlap between, work and love and having an impact in the world. Um, so yeah, I think those tend to be the two men who come to me most or who I feel most inspired by. How about you? I think, I think it's the same category for me, mostly like the first category. Like I really like working with men who, um, have done some personal growth work, maybe not like the whole nine, but have done some or are aware of, you know, some of it right? and who just, can't quite nail it yet. They're yep. just not quite there. Yep. Um, cause I find that they get really good results and they tend to get results pretty quickly. Pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing I've noticed for sure is that, uh, I usually work with men from one to three months in mm-hmm. an official capacity and mm-hmm. then, but I tend to stay, stay connected to them and, and hear about what's going on in their lives. And what I notice is that 
there's a transformation that happens after 90 days for Mm -hmm. sure. But the biggest transformation happens in the next year. Mm -hmm. So like the guy Ted that I mentioned, you know, it was three months after three or four months after the workshop was when he got his girlfriend and then they were having crazy wild rabbit sex all over the stairs. (laughs) And um, A couple of my other clients, like I just, I went to one of my clients' weddings uh, a year or two ago and they just had a baby. And so the the massive transformation, right? Because that's what he was wanting. He was in his, I think, early 30s when we were together. Mm -hmm. I want a family. Like I want, this is what I want. And I could feel the blocks to that. And then once we got rid of them, it wasn't like instantaneous, but within the next six to nine to 12 months, it did happen. So I'm really, yeah, I think I'm really inspired by that same population of sort of like Mm -hmm. kind guys, good guys, like nice guys who Mm -hmm. just, it's not really necessarily working yet with um, sexuality or getting, you know, succeeding with women because- Yeah, that's a that's a very cool transformation to witness. It is. It's so amazing, right? And just going to a client's wedding and yeah, you know, getting those emails of oh my gosh, this you know I'm in love with this woman and she, I, I'm doing less than ever. I'm more vulnerable, and she still you know feels attracted yes. to me and sees my manliness and loves when I cry with her, right? All those things. It's like oh, it's just amazing. Yeah, it's very gratifying. Oh, what a good note to end on! Yay. Mm, I love it. I love it. Do you want to, um, for my men who are listening to Man Alive, what's your website or how can men find you? Yeah, my website is melaniecurtin.com, C-U-R-T-I-N, melaniecurtin.com. And um, my podcast is Dear Men. And I often do surveys on that podcast. And if you want to join my survey population, it's called the Big Sexy Dataset. Nice, <laughs> then nice. just email me at dearmenpodcast at gmail.com. I would love to have you in the Big Sexy Dataset. I'm always looking for more men. I do surveys on everything from dating to sexuality to relationships. And then I release the results on the podcast. Fantastic. And how about you? How do my peeps find you? Yeah, Shana James Coaching.com and Shana is S-H-A-N-A. Um, and right on my site, one of the things that I have on there is a report on um the the main skill I've seen that men who have both a professional success and a fulfilling love life use every day. So you can head mm. over there and check that out. That's a good one. I might check it out too. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much for doing this today. I feel um, lovely to be reconnected with you and I love what you're doing and I believe in you and just love your heart and your sincerity. So thank you for- Yeah, this was really fun. I'm glad glad that we did this. I I really like hearing about the larger patterns, you Mm -hmm. know, that- many people are seeing. And I know we're only two men's coaches, but we live in different States. We have totally separate communities. So yeah. the fact that we yeah. see some similar things I think is, is pretty telling. So yeah, agree. yeah that was great. Awesome. That wraps up another episode of Dear Men. Thank you for listening. If you want to reach out, we would love to hear from you. We're on Instagram and Twitter at Dear Men Podcast. That's at Dear Men Podcast. Or Facebook, we have a group, Dear Men Podcast. We also have an email address, dearmenpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to join the Big Sexy Dataset, the community of people who regularly respond to the surveys that we talk about on this podcast, just email us at that address, dearmenpodcast at gmail.com, and we will set you up. Have a sexy day.